Hello. It depends on who you have worked for before. There are people who know about this area. There are people who can guess. There are people who have never heard of it at all. And when they understand, some of them just leave. It depends entirely on the person. But it's a good question because, for example, the business coach who conducts training therefore, well, at least she did for us. She was very careful to say this in hints during training. It all depends on who is presenting the information and who is listening to it. And I'll give you an example to make it clearer. When I was studying there, there was a student. He was very young, green. So on the third or fourth day, he asked her, so how do these clients withdraw their money? And the business trainer said right in front of the whole audience, they don't withdraw it. We've all had those numbers callers, the unknown ones, sometimes local, sometimes not. Whether it's someone trying to make you pour money into a guaranteed investment scheme, donate to a charitable cause, or perhaps those helpful people who profess to be from a tech company offering to fix your computer. This is an urgent checkup code for your computer, as we have found several problems in it. So if you can just turn on your computer, I can show you the problems which I'm talking about. Which, of course, isn't actually broken. Personally, I don't answer them. I'm not remotely interested in doing so. But I know people who have lost thousands through scams like this. And these are intelligent, well-educated and professional people. But on the other end of that phone is a skilled manipulator with one goal in mind, to get your money. And behind these scam call centers stands the shadowy specter of organized crime, forever looking for ways to squeeze money out of people. Now in Ukraine, it's estimated that there are hundreds, if not thousands of scam call centers, many of them targeting Russians. Welcome to Deep Dive from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. I'm Jack Megan Vickers. And this is They Don't F***ing Withdraw It, Scam Call Centers in Ukraine. Okay, so last year, state-owned media company Russia Today released this terrible advert. So let me set the scene. It's apparently 2021 and Christmas in Europe. A lovely family scene, bright lights, a warm and cosy environment. The parents present a gift to their young daughter, a small hamster with a little red bow on its head. All is well. Then we fast forward a year. It's Christmas 2022. The light has changed. It's dark and cold with just candlelight. The dad, wrapped up in warm clothes, takes the hamster cage and removes the hamster wheel, which he then wires up to the Christmas lights. The hamster is then returned to the wheel and it starts running and the Christmas lights flicker on. The family sit down, they're cold, but it's okay because they're wrapped up together under a blanket. Again, we fast forward a year. It's Christmas 2023 now and the scene resembles something more post-apocalyptic. You can hear the cold wind whipping around. The family sit around a table wrapped up head to toe in warm jackets, hats and scarves. The mum comes in and dishes out the stew she's made for the family. Everyone is miserable. The dad proceeds to eat some of the stew when he suddenly realizes that there's something in his mouth, the red bow from the hamster. The dad then runs off to be sick before the message, Merry Anti-Russian Christmas, 
if your media doesn't tell you where this is all going on, RT is available via VPN. Now, apart from the complete absurdity of this video, it's the messaging that I find most interesting. This idea of freezing Europe. This, of course, was a long-running threat from the Putin regime and a fear in Europe for much of 2022. Anyone following the news will have seen this. But people who definitely did see this were scammers. They're always aware of what's going on around the world, and they exploit it. For example, news outlet Ekonomitsha Pravda in Ukraine wrote about a scam call center describing a story about a pensioner from Moscow that thought they were investing in Nord Stream 2, the gas pipeline between Russia and Germany that was damaged in September 2022. Anyway, she saw an advert on social media which said that the flow had been restored and that the European region is freezing. There's that propaganda line that's been pushed. This was followed by the price of gas is also increasing. So invest and get billions of rubles. She did, investing a little, about 50,000 rubles. At the time, about $650. This original investment skyrocketed, quickly rising from $650 to 4,000. So she invested more and more, taking out loans in the process. But that was fine because she was now worth millions. Time to start spending and enjoying life. Except, withdrawing it proved extremely difficult, before finally... Nothing. The contact number is disconnected. The money is long gone. See those little black boxes? They're called telephones. I'm gonna let you on a little secret about these telephones. They're not gonna dial themselves, okay? Without you, they're just worthless hunks of plastic. I imagine there are loads of you that have seen the film Wolf of Wall Street. There's this iconic scene where Leonardo DiCaprio's character is giving a motivational speech to his staff, encouraging them to make as much money as possible. But it's just a film, albeit based on a real story. Dramatic license. And in the case of the telephone, it's up to each and every one of you my highly trained Stratonites, my killers, my killers who will not take no for an answer, my warriors who will not hang up the phone until their client either buys or f***ing dies! But actually in Ukraine, in these scam call centers, well, there are similarities. Someone we spoke to described how the boss would give these motivational speeches at the start of the working day, before saying, like the Wolf of Wall Street. So who are those cheering the Ukrainian Jordan Belfort? Well, there are the sales managers, mainly students, graduates or young professionals who have applied for the job, been through training and secured this entry-level position. The most common position is sales manager. His or her task is to get the client to make an initial deposit. It's a job mostly done by young people, students and recent graduates. They are under 30 years old, nearly all of them. These are the words of a journalist who worked in one of these call centers. For what reason? They called it a journalistic experiment. Their words are spoken by an actor. There is also a position that's called a closer. This is a person who helps to close the deal. 
There may have people who are hesitant to make the first deposit. Everything is arranged differently in different offices. For example, in some offices, the closer is always connected to the call, and the sales manager says, I'll connect you to our legal and economic specialist. And the victim gets the impression that this person is more experienced and more trustworthy. And there aren't that many of these closers. For example, if the office has like 50 members of staff, there would only be two or three closers walking around connecting to calls as and when they're needed. Although predominantly still young, these closers are more experienced and clearly gifted social engineers. Within the rest of the office, we have IT guys who do literally that. And then we have the inspirational and motivational boss, the head of the office. But there is another position, because once the sales manager and closer have done their bit, managed to get that first deposit, the victim is passed on to a third level. And this is somewhat mysterious, because this is where the real money is made for the scam call centers, the retention managers. Sales managers produce the first deposit. For example, 150 $200, not much. And after that, the client who made a deposit is added to the database of retention managers, which is different level of sales. Personally, I have not encountered them, because it is a very closed community. But according to my sources, we are talking about sales worth tens of thousands of dollars. In fact, the whole point of working in an office or call center is to make sure that the client keeps investing more and more of their money, selling apartments and taking out loans. This is how the offices make money. And these people get a lot of money. But I've never seen them, because they're usually sitting somewhere else. Nobody knows where. I came across this really interesting quote from the General Directorate for Combating Organized Crime in Bulgaria, Vladimir Dimitrov. He was speaking to Europol about a scam call center that had been taken down in Bulgaria, he said that victims had started with payments of just 200 euros, but more than 50% ended up losing tens of thousands, and a handful lost millions. And then back in 2020, Swedish news outlet Dagens Nyheter revealed an investigation into a group of companies known as the Milton Group which were based out of Kyiv, Ukraine and Tbilisi in Georgia. Dagens Nyheter får kontakt med en man i Ukrainas huvudstad Kyiv. Han säger att han har information från insidan, att han kan ge oss sanningen om bitcoininvesteringarna. This company what they do, everything is fake. They just steal money from people. Doesn't matter in which country you are. They steal from everybody. They described it as a fraud factory, targeting thousands of victims in more than 50 countries. This investigation reveals a little bit more about retention managers. And one quote that stuck out was that they're free to say or do anything, as long as they never reveal that the investments are fake. And the retention managers get different levels of commission depending on the method of payment. For example, transfer by credit card, 4%. Western Union or MoneyGram, 6%. Cryptocurrencies, 9%. The purpose behind this is because some of these are more difficult to trace than others. And if we take a look at the BBC investigation, it shows how quickly the money disappears into a tangled web of Bitcoin wallets, transactions, exchanges, and so on. The journalist put in $500 worth of Bitcoin, 
and they were able to track it as it was broken up into smaller fractions and moved through a series of different wallets, all allegedly associated with the Milton Group. A lawyer who specialises in cryptocurrency and fraud told the BBC that this flow of money suggested large-scale organised crime. And for those who made multiple payments, they were asked to send money to different Bitcoin addresses each time. According to the Organised Crime and Corruption Reporting Project, $5.9 million of Bitcoin disappeared into exchanges based in East Asia. And then also inside the office there was a whiteboard that listed the monthly targets for the retention managers. And bear in mind this was a few years ago. But this is where you see how much money is sucked into these companies by the retention managers. The Russian market, $40,000. Spanish, $60,000. English, $100,000. And if, as a retention manager, you don't achieve 40% of your targets, you're fired. Now, before going any further, I probably don't need to tell you this, but scam call centres are not a Ukrainian issue. They've been around for years, and it's a global issue. Back in the late 90s, members of the Gambino crime family in New York scammed people out of hundreds of millions of dollars through an elaborate phone fraud. In 2010, it was the turn of the Bonanno crime family and their boiler rooms from where an investment scam earned them millions. And scam call centres really do just exist everywhere. In 2022, law enforcement from Latvia and Lithuania alongside Europol dismantled a scam call centre network allegedly responsible for 108 million euros of losses for victims. You can see the rather dramatic footage from the raid on YouTube. In the US, the FBI recently estimated that US citizens had been scammed out of around $12 billion in a single year by scam call centres in India alone. They've been found in Albania, Canada, Taiwan, Mexico, the Philippines, Indonesia, Singapore, Georgia, China, North Macedonia, Cambodia and so on. Twelve China nationals were arrested last Friday following a police raid at a call centre in Kuala Lumpur. In a statement on Monday, Bukit Aman CCID Director, Commissioner Datuk Zainuddin Yaakob said the syndicate, which had been operating since September last year, targeted victims in China by offering them fake investments. 28 suspects were apprehended at the first call centre, which operated from an abandoned factory. Evidence found at this site included mobile phones, walkie-talkies, notebook computers and conversation scripts. Earlier this month, Indian police raided a string of call centers. They seized hundreds of hard drives, laptops and phones and arrested 70 workers and questioned many others. It's Friday morning, east of Manila in the Philippines. Australian cybercrime investigator Ken Gamble has travelled thousands of kilometres to uncover the call centre he alleges is linked to an elaborate scam. In September this year, the Chinese Ministry of Public Security announced that they'd taken down 11 scam operations and recovered $25 million. And finally, we've already mentioned the investigation into the so-called Milton Group. BBCI actually delved further into this group of companies and those alleged to be behind them, and they called that investigation the Billion Dollar Scam. 
The key to making money in a situation like this is to position yourself now before the settlement. Because by the time you read about it in the Wall Street Journal, it's already too late. And you wait. You wait. And whoever speaks first loses. Sorry, uh, I, I appreciate the call. I really have to give this some thought and uh, talk to my wife about it. Um, can I call you back? They don't know, right? They gotta think about it. They gotta talk to the wives or the tooth fairy. Point is, it doesn't matter what the say. The only real objection that they have is that they don't trust you guys. And why should they trust you? I mean, look at you. You're a bunch of sleazy salesmen, right? <laughs> so, what do you say? You mean to tell me that if I put you in at Union Carbide at a 7, it took you out at 32? Texas Instruments at 11 and took you out at 47? U.S. Steel at 16 took you out at 41? You wouldn't be saying to me right now, Chester, pick me up a few thousand shares at Disney on the spot right now. Come on. I mean, honestly, Kevin, honestly, <laughs> seriously? I, I don't know you. you it's all from a script, but also about how you deliver and perform it, making them trust you and manipulate them into doing something that is so clearly against their best interests. And it's no different in the scam call centres we're looking at in Ukraine. The sales managers, those entry-level positions filled by students and young professionals, they go through training. There is a certain script in sales on how to behave. There is a way to start a conversation. Somehow, you have to make a person trust you, then collect information about their needs and make an effective sale accordingly. This is what the training is based on. Basic sales according to the company's script. It varies from company to company, but conceptually it is the same. And another important point. Ukrainians have this thing in our language. You know, there's Russian-Russian and Ukrainian-Russian. And Ukrainian-Russian is different from Russian-Russian. So we also worked on speaking as much Russian as possible in real Russian. For example, we always pronounce the letter H instead of G. While the simplest example is the letter H and G. This is not taught. They pay attention to this. So that you don't say H instead of G. Now, this is really interesting. So I'm an English speaker. So when I'm talking to another English speaker, say someone from Australia or America, sure, I can understand what they're saying, but equally, I know that they have a different accent and different nuances of language. And so this training that the new sales manager recruits go through, learning how to pronounce words in Russian like a Russian speaking Russian, rather than a Ukrainian speaking Russian, is a really important part in the building of trust with the victim. Another way to build trust is through the number you call from. So let me ask you a question. How many of you answer the phone if the number doesn't have the same country code as your own? As far as I understand, it's a specially created telephony that costs a lot of money. It's all arranged. All the calls are made via the internet, but the Russians see a Russian phone number to ensure that this works. As far as I understand, you need Russian SIM cards. I'm not 100% sure of the technology used. Some people talk about IP telephony, which pretty much does everything old telephone lines do, but instead converts the information into digital signals and sends it via the internet instead. For example, voice over internet protocol, or VoIP. We know that some Indian VoIP companies have been indicted in the US for allowing scam call centers to route calls through their systems. Today we're here to announce the first ever, ever multi-jurisdictional enforcement action targeting the Indian call center scam industry. More than 15,000 victims 
including many new immigrants to the United States and the elderly, were targeted by a complex fraud scheme involving a network of call centers originating in India. This transnational criminal ring targeted victims in the United States, impersonating the IRS, impersonating immigration officials, impersonating police, and other U.S. and state and local government officials. These individuals demanded immediate payments from the people they called to avoid deportation, to avoid arrest, or to cover supposedly unpaid income taxes. In the process, these criminals took hundreds of millions of dollars from this scam alone. But most stories of call center busts seem to list SIM cards in the seized items and in rather large numbers. 10,000 illegal SIMs in Thailand, 22,000 in West Bengal, India, and so on. Given the importance of SIM cards, perhaps something called a SIM box or SIM bank is used. These bits of hardware can hold hundreds of different SIM cards per machine, and then each machine can be linked together to hold even more. The SIM cards used are often prepaid, and each SIM connection is routed through the internet using VoIP, bypassing international network rates and making the calls appear local, costing the telecoms industry billions in lost revenue. And then of course, these SIMs aren't just used for calling, but also used to send out thousands and thousands of smishing text messages. So let's say the scammer is using a SIM box, and it's up and running. How do they find your number? There are a huge number of databases of banks, pharmacies, services, orders. They can be easily bought on the darknet. Secondly, such call centers launch their own advertising products, saying that they are an investment company, and they offer their services. This is advertised on popular websites, and potential clients of this investment company, which of course does not exist, sign up. They leave their data on these websites. And then they get a call from this company, allegedly from this company. This is another example of how difficult it is to keep your data safe. All it takes is for one company with some kind of customer database to fall victim to a hacker. The Sands Institute recently released the results of a survey which showed hackers can usually exfiltrate data within the first five hours after gaining initial access to a network. And all this gets me thinking, Thinking about the people who work in these call centers, the students, the recent graduates or young professionals, what do they know about the work before they take the role? It depends on who you have worked for before. There are people who know about this area. There are people who can guess. There are people who have never heard of it at all. And when they understand, some of them just leave. It depends entirely on the person. But it's a good question, because, for example, the business coach who conducts training therefore, well, at least she did for us. She was very careful to say this in hints during training. It all depends on who is presenting the information and who is listening to it. And I'll give you an example to make it clearer. When I was studying there, there was a student. He was very young, green. So on the third or fourth day, he asked her, so how do these clients withdraw their money? And the business trainer said right in front of the whole audience, they don't withdraw it. A brutally honest response from that trainer. And in a way, you combine that response with the boss giving the motivational speech at the start of the day and you get an idea of the office environment. 
And it reminds me of this one video I saw on Telegram, which was alleged to show a rather wild office party for one of the scam call centers in Ukraine. I mean, you can hear how rowdy everyone is. There's drinking, music, adult entertainers, certainly not like the office parties I've been to. Again, it's got a very Wolf of Wall Street vibe, and that includes the work itself, because if you don't make your quotas, you're out. And so staff turnover is really high. I would describe this atmosphere as an artificial version of the American stock exchange before the crisis of 2008, but in a very simplistic and childish way. Because the people who actually work there are children pretending to be adult investment experts. There are a lot of people there. 70 or even 100 people can work in an office. It's a huge area. And they rent business centers. They can take up a whole floor. And people there communicate only within their own teams. And like any stock exchange, people are there for a simple reason. Money. And there is a lot of money to be made. According to Truecaller, Americans lost nearly $30 billion across 12 months from 2021 to 2022. One in three US citizens reported that they'd fallen for a phone scam at least once. And in Hire's recent global call threat report Q2 2023, they highlighted that in Europe, 40% of calls from non-contacts were suspected spam. In Argentina, it's 56% of calls were labelled either as nuisance or fraud. And it was the same in Hong Kong, with 54%. Globally, Hire observed 6.5 billion spam calls worldwide in just three months. That's over 70 million calls every day. There is a load of different frauds being committed by these call centres. But the type we're talking about in this episode is mainly a form of investment fraud. In Ukraine, we don't know exactly how many there are, but there are certainly hundreds of these offices. Some suspect thousands. This year, there were a number of raids on call centres across Ukraine. Two in the Khmelnytsky region of Ukraine, which focused on stealing cryptocurrency from mainly Canadian citizens. Two more centres in Lviv and Vinnytsia were taken down. These targeted victims across Europe. Police said that the criminal group behind the call centre also ran a number of phishing websites, luring people with discounted goods, making millions in the process. In Kharkiv, Ukrainian cyber police took down what they called an organised group of criminals, who were running an investment fraud scheme targeting mainly people in Georgia, Kazakhstan and Tajikistan. They created a website and a telegram channel and promised returns of 400 to 500% and had paid advertisements on the websites of social media companies. Now, we always want to know how much money these scam call centres are bringing in. And that's the million-dollar question. Like with any illicit market, it's clandestine by nature, and therefore hard to measure. We do know that there was a raid on four call centres in the Kyiv and Lviv regions. The Ukrainian cyber police seized 126 bank accounts and six cryptocurrency wallets, combining a total of $406,000. That's just four. And that is just the money that was seized. It doesn't include the money that has been laundered into assets or offshore accounts. And remember, these call centers can't be cheap to run. The raid on the four call centers I mentioned a minute ago, 
police seized computer hardware estimated to be worth $400,000. Then, of course, the office space is rented. Even the entry-level sales managers get paid relatively well, and they sometimes have a lot of staff. For example, at the start of September, again, Ukrainian cyber police shut down a cryptocurrency investment fraud with scam call centers across Ukraine, which targeted Ukrainian citizens as well as foreigners. And these four call centers reportedly had around 800 staff. But despite some of these call centers targeting other European countries or those in Central Asia, according to sources and also the currently sanctioned Russian bank, Sparebank, 90% of Ukrainian scam call centers now target Russians. And so we come to the important but complicated question. Who is behind the call centres? If we look further afield, away from Ukraine, dangerous organised criminals are behind plenty of scam call centres. For example, at the end of May, Mexican law enforcement found a gruesome discovery. Forensic teams airlifted human remains discovered in 45 bags from a ravine in western Mexico. Jalisco state prosecutors on Thursday said the remains on the outskirts of Guadalajara include features that appear to resemble those of several missing call center employees, but were still subject to forensic tests to formally identify the bodies. It was reported that this call center was run by the Jalisco New Generation Cartel, and the workers were killed because they tried to quit their jobs. In Cambodia, criminal gangs lure people under false pretenses before trafficking them, and forcing them into what's been coined cyber slavery because the trafficking victims are forced to perform online scams. This is a topic we will do an episode on at some point. In Ukraine, similarly, organized crime is thought to be heavily involved. Well, like in any country, we have a lot of non-public businessmen whose photos are not even available on the internet. And they are dollar millionaires. And nobody knows anything about them. Among these people, there are real criminals, for whom this type of business, if you can call it that, is quite significant. After they have received such criminal funds, they can invest them in some legal story, open a shopping mall or a restaurant. This way they can diversify their profits by transferring them to a more legal channel. To answer the question, who are they? These are criminals. This is the mafia who are also dollar millionaires. They are not public. And that's always the problem with the study of organised crime. By its very nature, it's a hidden phenomena. But we perhaps got a glimpse earlier this year in the Dnipro-Petrovsk region. Ukrainian law enforcement arrested and charged 10 members of a criminal organisation, including a prominent Vorzigonya, or thief-in-law, known as Lasha Zvan. It was alleged they were organisers of scam call centres which primarily targeted Latvian citizens. And of course there were those alleged to be behind the Milton Group. The BBC named a bunch of people, but so far I've only seen one arrest relating to this group, when a man described as the head of a fake investment platform EverFX was arrested by Spanish police in December last year. Now, do you remember the episode of Deep Dive we did on drug use on the front line in Ukraine? We talked about this organised criminal group called Himprom. They were born out of the darknet marketplaces and have captured a significant proportion of the drug market in Ukraine. 
But equally, those who regularly listen to this podcast will recognise that criminal organisations these days are rarely monolithic. They have a hand in multiple illicit markets. And that seems to be the case with Himprom. So the person alleged to be behind Himprom is nicknamed The Mexican, because that's apparently where this person is thought to be currently based. But alongside drugs, the Mexican is said to be behind some call centres in Lviv, Kharkiv, Dnipro, Kiev and Odessa. And according to some, the Mexican uses connections with corrupt police to initiate searches into rival call centres so that they can swallow up the competition. Now it must be said that this whole Mexican story is rife with rumour and suspicion and contradiction. Some articles talk about the person as if they were a misunderstood patriot. Others say the Mexican is behind call centres located in a building owned by a politician where allegedly it had been gathering intelligence for Russia. But then others have claimed that the Mexican has set up a charitable fund that provides humanitarian assistance, others of funding a territorial defence force in Kyiv, hoping that this will help smooth a possible return to Ukraine. The point is that it isn't always easy to know exactly what's going on, but it does bring me onto the idea of the patriotic criminal. So why are Russians being targeted disproportionately? Well, that seems obvious, but there are other reasons as well. Remember earlier in the episode I said that according to Sparebank, 90% of call centres targeting Russians are based in Ukraine. Well, there is some logic behind this statement. Russians would be an easy target because of the language. Many Ukrainians speak Russian. But also, according to Ukrainian law, a complainant must file a victim's statement. At this moment, given Russia has illegally invaded Ukraine, the ability to give such a statement is somewhat difficult. And then you have collusion between criminal entities and elements of the state, which is hardly unheard of in Ukraine, just as it is in Russia. And according to some, there is an unwritten rule that as long as you aren't targeting Ukrainians, you'll be left alone. Well, in general, there is a certain ethics code, you know, particularly during a large-scale war. So those who work on Ukrainians, and there are such cases, because if you look at the press releases on our law enforcement agencies, this does exist, but its volume is extremely small, because it's a bad manners to do a thing like that, working against your own citizens. It's unethical. If you read through some of the research the GI have done in Ukraine over the past year or so, you'll see this idea of the patriotic criminal. In Odessa, pro-Russian criminals have either left or gone underground, and pro-Ukrainian criminals have turned hyper-patriotic. It's even been reported that they've been patrolling the streets with law enforcement. Some other Vori once in the occupied eastern part of Ukraine have since crossed the line and have authorised criminals under their charge to fight against Russia. And so we come back to the call centres, where they are also co-opting patriotic feelings to find new workers. I came across this one job advert on Telegram, and it led with things like, do you want to help your country undermine the economy of the aggressor country? And the work is aimed at profit by emptying the wallets of moral monsters who are trying to destroy our motherland every day. And finally, let's bring victory as close as possible with our own efforts. So does this mean that Russia's war against Ukraine has weaponized scam calls? The Russian FSB certainly claimed that to be the case. 
And back in April, Russian media also claimed that elderly Russians were being tricked by scammers into setting fire to military offices and officials' cars and shouting pro-Ukrainian slogans. There was this one video which I came across from a Russian media telegram channel. Now it's alleged that the person is on the phone to the scammer as she was about to be arrested. She'd been swindled out of a lot of money, including the selling of her house. But according to reporting, the scammer said that she would get her money back if she set fire to a military recruitment center using Molotov cocktails. And this video shows that she called the scammer after starting the fire. And it's not just the elderly, but the young as well. A 22-year-old received a call from someone claiming to be a police investigator who accused a 22-year-old of sending money to a pro-Ukrainian organization and that he was about to be accused of treason unless he transfers a load of money to the scammers as well as take out loans to again pass to the scammers. And they were calling this a fine for disclosing state secrets. The scammers then instructed him to set fire to an ATM because it contained a device that transferred money to terrorists from Ukraine. But again, I want to reiterate that these claims came from the Russian FSB. And as usual, Ukrainian authorities have not commented on them. Finally, I'm reminded of someone in Ukraine I spoke with recently about this topic, and it was interesting to hear their perspective. For example, they pointed out that due to Russia's full-scale invasion, the economy has largely been subsidised by Western countries. But as they said, it is mostly loans that we have to pay back. This is not our money. And that's right, Ukrainian GDP has fallen 30%. The economy has relied on loans from the IMF, the US, Europe and the UK. The illicit money gained through these scam call centres in Ukraine was described to me as like our money, it's not loans. Of course, some of the money is siphoned off by criminal groups into the offshore world or cryptocurrency, and of course this isn't taxed. But the salaries paid to the employees is spent in Ukraine and goes back into the economy. The tax is on the expenditure. Indeed, in recent days it was revealed that the Ukrainian economy actually grew for the first time since the war began. But that being said, we shouldn't sugarcoat it. This money is stolen from victims and largely goes into the pockets of organised criminals to poison society in all the ways that they do. The use of scam call centres is on the rise around the world. Tens of millions of these calls target people every day. Billions of dollars are stolen each year and it's not a victimless crime. The damage is not just economic. People have committed suicide as a result of investment frauds like these. Scam call centres wherever they are, are a blight. That's it for this episode of Deep Dive. I'd like to thank our anonymous journalist for their journalistic experiment and also colleagues in Ukraine who helped with some of the research for this episode. All the reading material to accompany this episode will be in the podcast notes, 
In addition to that, if you want to check out more organized crime research from around the world, head over to our website, globalinitiative.net. We've also just launched the second iteration of the Global Organized Crime Index, which looks at the levels of criminality and resilience across 193 countries. It's a fascinating resource, and it's totally free to access at ocindex.net. This has been Deep Dive from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. I'm Jack Megan Vickers. Thanks for listening.